Amen. Praise the Lord. Is he your king? That's what I want to know. Well, is he your king? That uh, declamation by the late uh, Dr. S.M. Lockridge, who was Dave Hill's pastor, I think, for a while. Um, boy, that's, it's kind of like the ocean. You know, it just keeps coming, and, and you, think he's, you think he's done, and then he thinks of something else, and it goes on for a little while longer. So praise the Lord. Uh, I don't know where you've been the last few weeks, but I'm glad to have you here today. And uh, praise the Lord, I'm glad to be back. Talon and I, you know, we haven't, I suppose, really had a vacation over the last couple of years or so. And so the church kind of gave, uh, gave us a couple of years vacation all up front. We took that. Among the places we went was to Hawaii, but I do. But I have to say, I would rather be sitting in here with you all today than sitting on the most active volcano in Hawaii. I really would, and praise the Lord for that. Let me just give you a quick report on our harvest team, since I haven't had a chance to do that for a few weeks. And you know, we have. So we had started at the first of the year some evangelistic. I guess you'd say evangelistic small groups, small groups for people in our church to think through their contacts and how God was using them and how they could um, not add evangelism to their life, but see what God was doing evangelistically with other people in their life. And you know, this is how people make contacts anyway, whether, whether they go to a bar and make contacts, they go to, you know, someplace else and they just, you know, connect with people and then start talking to them and, and then, you know, that goes wherever it goes. Well, we wanted to be able to connect with people, start talking to them, keep the conversation going until it got to the point that God opens the door for the gospel. And so we have right now 101 people signed up on 11 different teams. Some of those are associated with our adult classes, some are not. So if you are not on a harvest team, we encourage you to go ahead and get signed up and start meeting with them and start doing that. Because what they do, once you're on that team, they put you in that text group. And if you are meeting with someone that you want to share the gospel with evangelistically, then you can text the rest of the team and they will be praying at that moment. So we have 186 people right now being prayed for. And we had the testimony Wednesday night because we've taken our Sunday night Feed Your Soul service and we've moved it to Wednesday night for the summer, at least for the summer. So Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, 7 to 8 p.m., we're doing this and someone gave a testimony about how they had someone on their harvest team list to be prayed for ever since the inception, ever since we started having the teams. And that person saw their need of Christ, and they trusted him for eternal life, even just this last week. And praise the Lord, that was a great testimony. Now, I tell you that to grow your faith. I tell you that so that the Holy Spirit can draw you in and move you to take part in what we are doing in our harvest teams. So, so I wanted to give you that report also, this is, this is the first Sunday I can remember in quite a while where it has been both a fifth Sunday where we have the Lord's Supper and also Memorial Day weekend Sunday. And I think we've got this coming up maybe at least a couple of years in, in a row where it's going to be like this. And so fifth Sunday, Memorial Day Sunday, and I thought, you know, we don't, 
we don't need to exclude either thing. I think we can, we can make this all a part, and it is reasonable, and it is uh, reverential for us to do so, because you'll notice that we've put two tables up here on the platform today. And I don't like the Lord's Supper to get in a place where it's just rote, and it is just the same thing every time. Uh, we don't need to do that. We need to, we need to think of ways to make it creative and to keep you engaged in what God is doing in this moment. And so I thought, well, today, why don't we take the Lord's table instead of having it down on the floor, put it up on the platform? And secondly, why don't we also have a missing man and woman table up here at the same time? Now, there, you know, the, in, there is a general comparison in the sense that those who have gone MIA or were POWs or were killed in action in America's wars gave their life for our freedom. They gave their life for our freedom politically and the freedom that we have today in American society. And also Jesus gave his life for your freedom. And you are not just your freedom from sin, which you can have by his blood, but also from death and hell and the grave. So there's also, there is that comparison, but I also want you to notice the contrast. Because we have a missing man or woman table for the one who is missing today that should be here. But we also have a table for the one who is present and it's not just the one who is always here. And I understand Jesus is always present with you. But he is present with us in a specific way at the Lord's Supper that he is not at other times. That is why the Bible calls it communion. So I've asked B.J. Richter and, and uh, Crystal Ramirez, if they would, to help come up and explain the missing man and woman table. And then we'll have uh, Brother Ed Hale, who is World War II veteran, Come up and lead us in prayer. The POW MIA KIA table, a place setting for one, a table for all. The tradition of setting a separate table in honor of our prisoners of war and missing comrades has been in place since the end of the Vietnam War. The manner in which this table is decorated is full of special symbols to help us remember our brothers and sisters in arms. The POW MIA KIA table is separate from the others and can be set for one to four place settings to represent each service branch. The table is smaller than the others, symbolizing the frailty of one prisoner alone against his or her oppressors. The white tablecloth draped over the table represents the purity of their response to our country's call to arms. The empty chair depicts an unknown face representing no specific soldier, sailor, airman, or marine, but all who are not here with us. The round table shows that our concern for them is never ending. The Bible represents faith in a higher power and the pledge to our country founded as one nation under God. The black napkin stands for the emptiness these warriors have left in their hearts of their families and friends. The single red rose reminds us of their families and loved ones. The red ribbon represents the love of our country, which inspired them to answer the nation's call. 
The yellow candle and its ribbon symbolize the everlasting hope for a joyous reunion with those yet accounted for. The slices of lemon on the bread plate remind us of their bitter fate. The salt upon the bread plate represent the tears of their families. The inverted wine glass reminds us that our distinguished comrades cannot be with us to drink a toast or join in the festivities of the evening. And now Mr. Hales can come up and uh, lead us into prayer. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father God, we come because this is the place we need to be today. We want to honor you with our praises and and we want to hear the word as that you have spoken through your prophets and through your pastor and our pastor. Thank you, Father, for the remembrance that we do on this Memorial Weekend. And we thank you, Father, for the sacrifices that were given in our behalf. And first of all, we thank you, Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ and for his sacrifice. And without his sacrifice, there would be no reason for us to be here. He died, he gave his life, he shed his blood, and we're so thankful, and for eternity, we, we will be with him forever. And then, Father, we want to remember those um, of our service people who have given their lives and sacrifices. They left here home, they left their home to go and protect us and to provide and to, uh, so that we might continue to have the freedom that we have today. Father, they were, they were to be remembered and, and, and always remembered that when we go to the cemetery, and whether there are uh, here or many cemeteries around the world where they are enclosed in our, the bodies of our, our men and women, and also, Father, for those who who gave their life even here in the country. They didn't have to leave here to give their life for their country. Many of them did here. And so we want to thank you, thank them and their families for uh, for their service, uh, the families that uh, gave up their, their, their uh, sons or daughters, uh, not willingly, but, Father, for a good cause, for to give us the the time and the and the, and the, the freedom that we have today, and maybe we always have this as long as we have God our Father and Jesus in our hearts. So we thank you again, Lord, for all the memories, and we thank you again for the Lord Jesus. It's His name we pray. Amen. And I want to thank Ed and BJ and Crystal for helping us have two tables of remembrance up here today and not just one. You know, really, it wasn't uh, for Americans. Here's another, here's another contrast. We did not really start recognizing our, the, the dead who died in American wars until the Civil War. And then Americans started decorating the graves. That's how Memorial Day started. They started decorating the graves of Civil War dead. And, of course, that was those who had died for freedom on, on a number of different levels and uh, for an entire class of individuals in our society at that time. 
And so um, they mentioned also that this missing man table for the men and women who have, have died, killed in action, missing in action, or POWs, did not start until after the Vietnam War. But the table we get ready to celebrate today, the Lord's table, began at the very start, began at the very start of Christianity, the very start of the church, the Lord Jesus himself started it. And just before we get into observing that, I, w I would like you to use this time in a specific way. And there are two or three things I'm going to suggest that you would use this as a time to prepare your heart to begin asking God for opportunity at our 4th of July picnic in Baumgartner Park. So we're going to have a Freedom Sunday picnic. So 4th of July is on Sunday. And in years past, Red, White, and Blue Springs has had their fireworks right across the street at Blue Springs High School this year. Uh, I think it's going to be at Blue Springs ha South instead. And so we're going to take advantage of that day anyway, only instead of doing something as we have in years past in the evening with the fireworks celebration, we're just going to do it right after church. And we're going to have a picnic over in Baumgartner Park right across the street from us here. And we want to use it as a time of outreach and opportunity. And especially those of you that might be functioning in our harvest teams to invite some of those people that you're praying for and have them with us on that Sunday and just have a, have a picnic together with them and make it an outreach. Also be praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit at our all-church retreat, July 21st through the 24th, and carrying over to that next Sunday, the 25th. And a third thing is that even these last few weeks that I've been gone, we've had so many visitors, and we have visitors every service and every Sunday, and we need help, people who, who would help us visiting the visitors and just take them a, a little gift bag, a goodie bag, a welcome bag of uh, things and just go by and knock on their door, give that to them. Uh, you know, ask them if they have any questions about anything. Tell them how glad, you know, you are that uh, they came and worshiped with us. And so I'm asking you also to pray about becoming part of our SMART team. SMART is an acronym for Special Methods and Resources Team. So we need a special methods and resources team, particularly for visiting visitors. And if you, you know, God moves on your heart, you'd like to take part in that, let them know out at the welcome desk, uh, or uh, let your adult class pastor know, or I'm sure you can sign up online. Now, one more thing, one more thing. For the last five years, we, every year, we have adopted 120 kids in the Conde Zambia. And we have, we have paid for a school there in the Conde for 120 kids, um, also a feeding center, and for what, you know, $38 a month, I mean, it's crazy what you can do when you cut out the middleman, but for 38 American dollars a month, it not only pays for the schooling of those kids and the feeding of those kids at the feeding center, but also many times uh, school uniforms and clothing and stuff like that. And so over the last five years, you all have given more than $200,000 because it takes us about $40,000 a year for those 120 kids. And each year you've kept re-upping and adopting another child. And because of the 
you know, electronics infrastructure, we're not able to get you an exact name or, um, uh, you know, a specific picture of a specific child. Uh, we, uh, from time to time, we give you pictures of children. You can, you can say, okay, this is my child, but to, to actually physically hook that up, we're just not able to do that because this is the, this is the uttermost that we're doing this uh, for. And Tom Brockmeyer is leaving Monday on a two-week trip to visit that church and school and feeding center that we support there in Zambia. And uh, so in doing that, I think there are at least a couple of churches that are coming together. They're going to have a pastor school for other pastors in the area. And also he is taking with him in a specially secured briefcase, which will be, uh, you know, will be tied to his hands, will be handcuffed to his hand. Uh, a copy of the Lambda Bible. This has been a process that's been ongoing, but they have translated the book of the Gospel of John, the book of Romans, and the book of First John into Lamba, the language of the people there in Nakande. And he's taking that for final editing. And so he'll turn that over to some believers there while they go and do their thing, have the pastor's conference. Those people will be doing a final edit. So it's like purified seven times. And it's a final edit. Uh, When he comes back, he'll collect that from them. He will bring that back here. And we will print that out at Heartland, Heartland Baptist Fellowship. We are, at least we will assist in printing that and putting that together and getting that in a container and sending it back over to Zambia. So $200,000, y'all, all I can say is keep on tithing. I mean, keep up with your tithes and offerings. I mean, we encourage you that you should tithe. Take 10% off the top. That's God's because that's the first fruit. Give it to him. And since we encourage you to do that, we do that. So we take of the general offerings, then our goal is to take 10% off the top. That becomes our mission's budget. And so keep supporting. Keep supporting the kids. Keep supporting what we're doing and, uh, and be praying. So now if you would, turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and Luke chapter 22. Luke 22 in your left hand, 1 Corinthians 11 in your right. The title given to what we do today by the Apostle Paul is the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20. Now, he also uses the term communion in the chapter prior to this, chapter 10, verse 16, because this also covers our relationship with the Lord upwardly, our relationship with each other outwardly, and our relationship with the Holy Spirit inwardly. But this ordinance bears another name in Scripture, as Luke calls it, the breaking of bread. So whatever we name it, Jesus uses this time to identify himself through his actions and his works at the first Lord's Supper as the Lamb of God, the one who was sent to be sacrificed so that that sacrifice could take away the sins of the world. So it is the works and the words of Jesus himself that initiated our communion service today as a meal with him. It was not an evolutionary process. It was not like a few years later the church got together and said, hey, well, you know, maybe we could do this, and that way we'll remember what he did. No, Jesus, before he even died said, I'm going to give you something by which you can make sure that you remember. Make sure you remember what it was like when you first got saved. 
make sure you remember what I did on the cross for you. So that is our thesis for this Lord's Supper service. The Lord's Supper is a celebration. It is a powerful symbol, and it is a mystery explaining and showing us exactly how we live by the life of Christ today. So when Paul says in Galatians 2.20, which should be true of every Christian in here, I am crucified in Christ. I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Well, how do we get to that? What does that mean? How, you know, how is that true? What, what have I got to know? So today Jesus invites you into his presence and your partaking of this meal affirms your faith in his finished work on the cross. So you are redeemed by Christ's actions on the cross and your act in the Lord's Supper proclaims that. So this is a celebration, a feast of love. It is a symbol, a memorial of faith. And it is a mystery, a prophecy of hope. So I invite you to join our other pastors and deacons and myself in celebrating this table because it foreshadows the future that we have with the Lord Jesus at the marriage supper of the Lamb, Revelation chapter 19. So I've elected to do certain things today. Since it's not specified in Scripture, we don't have a liturgy specified for us in Scripture. And that is because I think the Lord wants us to keep it fresh. So to keep it fresh today, I have elected to place the Lord's Supper table up here on the platform so that you can see it. And I have elected that for myself, I will also be partaking using the elements in a certain way that you can see them a little bit better. So as we do that, you may be asking, you know, number one, am I welcome? Am I welcome to take part? And you know, if you're visiting, you are, you are free to watch, you're free to listen, you're free to touch and pass the elements. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you do take part, it's kind of like mask wearing, right? The, the CDC says you can go without a mask if you are fully vaccinated. But nobody's asking any questions. Are you fully vaccinated? I mean, at least around here, and as far as I know, nobody's asking, well, you know, are you really fully vaccinated? So you may be visiting, and if you take part, that's fine. No one's going to look at you sideways. But if you, you know, if you decide not to take part today for any reason at all, we honor your conscience in that respect. We are just happy that you are here with us for this sacred ordinance of the church. So what you see and hear today might raise some questions in your mind, and you may want more explanation, and we're happy to give you that afterwards. So after we get done, some of the other pastors and I, we will be here at the front, and we'd love to talk to you afterwards if you desire. Some churches observe completely open communion, and that means they make no distinction. They make the table available to anyone who calls themselves a Christian whether or not they have actually believed the gospel and been born again. And I, you know, I know there's some places that call themselves churches that the table is open to anyone regardless of any religious affiliation. So that's kind of way open communion. Um, some churches practice closed communion and you have to be a member of their congregation 
Otherwise, you cannot take part of their table. What we observe in practice is what I call close communion. So if you are a member in good standing of a church of like faith, meaning you trusted Jesus for eternal life and you know you are born again, that's, that's like faith, and a church of like practice to ours, meaning that they, you were baptized by immersion in a church because you were professing that faith to them, well, then this table is especially open to you. And if anyone else takes part, kid, you know, kids or anybody else, uh, is there any harm in that? No, no harm is done. It just does not have the significance that it is intended to have for you. So communion is for those who know that they are born again, but you do not have to be a member here in order to partake here. So after you know you are welcome, the second question you may be asking is, am I worthy? And you know, if you are born again, it is not possible for you to be unworthy because once you trusted Jesus for eternal life, then God makes you his child. So you will always be worthy. Once you're born again, you can never be unborn. However, Paul, talks, Paul does talk about, here in 1 Corinthians 11, look at it with me, verse, verse 27. He talks about those who might eat and drink unworthily. Verse 27, wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Now, how do we keep from doing that? Verse 28, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So at this moment, you might be asking, well, am I wrong if I participate? Paul exhorts us to approach this moment being completely clean before the Lord. So if you have unconfessed sin, we want you to have time. And all of us should take the opportunity to get our hearts right, to put sin under the blood, to affirm our love for Jesus Christ. And as Paul states, we have to discern his body before we partake of it. That means we need to pay attention to what it was sacrificed for. And we need to acknowledge everything Christ's death brought us and bought for us. You say, Alan, but... You know, I've really sinned. I mean, you don't even know. I know there are certain liturgical churches where you feel like you can go out and party hardy Friday night and Saturday night and then, you know, come to Mass or to the Lord's Supper on Sunday and that'll make up for it. And you feel like a hypocrite though your whole life because you're doing it that way. And, and you know, it's not like that. But uh, if you have sinned and repented of it, you need to take part today. You need to take part because you need to be making that visual affirmation that says, I know what the death of Christ bought for me. It bought freedom from the sin I just repented of. And you know, frankly, if it's on me, I don't know if I might not walk out of here and fall directly into the same sin again. But praise the Lord, it's not, a, it's not all on me. What I need to focus on from this point in this moment is walking in Christ. And when I walk in the Spirit and I follow the Spirit, well then, I have the best chance going of not falling into that sin again. So you need to take part if you are repentant. 
Not that it's making up for the past, but it is helping you move on from the past. So, discern his body. Number four, if I am wronged, may I partake. And you know, and I think this moment should open the door for anyone to walk across the sanctanasium today and ask forgiveness of somebody if they need to. And this moment should open the door to you forgiving from the heart anyone that you are holding anything against, even if it was a legitimate hurt, that you are legitimately hurt. They really wronged you. And even if they haven't asked forgiveness, okay, well, they can't receive it from you if they don't ask. But from your heart, you can be willing to forgive. And, you know, we don't like to think we actually have to do that today. Because we've been so brainwashed by American culture and American counseling and and by our worldly mindset. But in actual fact, your life will be destroyed by bitterness if you do not give your heart to God, forgive your neighbor, and let vengeance entirely belong to the Lord. So discern that this church is his body, as Paul says, and do not fall into that condemnation. We should all be motivated to not want the Lord to condemn us. Therefore, we need to take part of the things we need to take part in and stay away from the things that we should stay away from. So now as you came in, you received from the deacons who are acting as ushers today a kind of an hourglass type of thing with the elements. If you did not get one and you need one, raise your hand. You may have uh, missed getting one, just raise your hand. Anybody like that? Yeah, we've got a few people. If you want one, we'll have our deacons come and give you one. Just keep your hand raised until they get to you and they'll give that to you. And I want you to, once you get that, I want you to take that communion packet and I want you to Turn it so that the wafer, the bread part, is at the top and just peel back that part so that you can get to the small piece of unleavened bread. If you will look with me in Luke chapter 22, on the night in which the hinges of human history turn, the Lord met with the disciples to whom he had devoted his life and to whom he was entrusting his mission. They didn't understand the eternal purpose of his mission. I mean, they really didn't. They thought he was going to be a limited savior, a limited Messiah, limited to being a military conqueror who would throw off Roman shackles and give them freedom from Rome. They didn't understand the eternal purpose of what he was about, nor yet the profound love that Jesus had for them, and still less the necessity of him giving himself for their sins. But as they gathered around that table, verse 19 says, Jesus took bread and gave thanks, and broke it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do, in other words, gather together, As a congregation, take bread, give thanks over it, and eat it in remembrance of me. Now, since this is a celebration, because at the original Passover, which constituted the original Lord's Supper, 
They sang, they all sang Psalms 113 to 118. It's called the Great Hallel, the Big Praise. Those psalms are all about praise, and that's what you sang at the Passover, and therefore they were singing these psalms at the Lord's Supper, because no matter how sad, no matter how sorrowful, you need to learn to praise. Jesus became the chief musician on that night, and he directed the discipleship choir. You need to learn to praise. You need to learn the power of praise. Because praise has power when you use it, especially at those moments you feel so alone and so lonely and so cut off and like you're so much not apart and there's so much pain in your heart and sorrow and depression. You can't even explain it. You don't know where it comes from. And it's just right there. All right. Draw yourself into what was happening on that, that famous night. And so this Sunday, in order for us to do that, I, instead of having all of our praise up front in the service, I wanted us to make sure we worked our song service in with the Lord's Supper. So Brandon, I'm going to ask Brandon and the praise team to come up and to lead us. Instead of doing a couple of songs at the beginning and maybe a reprise or a song at the end, we're going to have a song with the bread. We're going to have a song with the cup. And then we'll have a song at the end, and we'll work it in that way. So I praise the Lord for what Brandon and the praise team have put together. And, you know, we didn't even collaborate on exactly what to do today. As usual, we did not collaborate. And yet, you know, as I, you know, as I sang along with everybody in the first service, it's like, man, those songs are just perfect. I mean, that song is just perfect for the, for the bread, and that song is just perfect for the cup. So... Uh, join in with us, if you will. Amen. Praise the Lord. Remain standing. Now you see why um, my voice is always a little hoarser in the second service. Now you know why. And uh, so, amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, I'd like us to just bow your heads. Let's uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus. We thank you for loving us with such a love that you gave yourself to be wounded for our transgressions and to be bruised for our iniquities so that by your stripes we are now healed. And Lord, we know we don't deserve it and we cannot comprehend it, but Lord, we are forever grateful. Amen. So now... Take, eat. Now you can go ahead and be seated. If you'll take the uh, part of the communion cup that you've been given and turn it over so that you can now peel back the foil and you can open the grape juice. Here in Luke chapter 22 again, Luke's gospel tells us that likewise also Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. So this fruit of the vine, as the Bible calls it, pictures the blood of Jesus Christ because it canceled the penalty for our sins. 
First John chapter 1, verse 7 says, The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin, and nothing else can. Not penance, not penitence, not the waters of baptism, not ceremonies, sacraments, sacramentals, or rituals. Not any religious rites or religious works. But if you know the spiritual reality of your sins being cleansed by the blood of Jesus... You can picture that now by drinking this cup together with us. So Brandon, once again, let's sing. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, in the, uh, in the Passover in the Old Testament, actually, those Psalms 113 to 118 were interspersed through the Passover supper, kind of like what we're doing today. And it's like, man, why haven't we been doing it this way all along? So uh, just bow your heads, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for those five wounds in your body, both hands, both feet, and your side, which poured out your life's blood as a sacrifice and a remission for my sins. That means a dismissal, that means a pardon, that means a release. I'm freed from the penalty. But I'm also freed from sin's power over me by your blood. It is a com- not just a complete forgiveness, it's a complete deliverance. And Lord, we know, again, we know we do not deserve it. And we cannot comprehend it. But Lord, we are forever grateful. Amen. So if you have your portion, drink ye all of it. Thank you. you. may be seated. And as you're seated there, I'd like you to just bow your heads. Let's bow our heads and, and close our eyes and let's just contemplate the cross. You know, I think, I think, and I, I try for my preaching to reflect this, that God gave you sanctified imagination for good reason. And I've tried to help you use it today by doing things a little bit differently this Sunday. Because you should be able, if you're saved, if you're born again, you should be able to imagine yourself there 20 centuries ago. Because if you are born again, you are a disciple. You may not be a good disciple. You may not have signed up for discipleship yet and gone through discipleship and biblically as we have here at this church But still, if you're born again, you're his child. And you should be able to see yourself sitting there. So contemplate the cross for a moment. Look at what it cost for you to be given eternal life and get saved. Remember the time that you first came to faith in Christ. How you heard the gospel good news that Jesus died for you so that you could have eternal life in him. And it's all by God's grace, a free gift of his grace based on your faith and your trust in him. How can God get away with doing that? Well, because it's an exchange of life. You're giving up your old sinful, rotten life in exchange for the new righteous, spotless life of Jesus that will now live through you. You know, maybe you've not yet made that choice. Maybe you've not yet made the most important decision that you can make in this life. 
And it's the most important decision you can make in life because it determines life after death. To receive eternal life in Christ, all you've got to do is pray. Since Christ did all the work, since it's a finished work he did on the cross, all you have to do is pray. Believe on Jesus and trust in him enough to pray to him right now. I can lead you in just a simple prayer of faith. Dear Lord Jesus, today I'm confronted once again with my sin, with my failures, with the people that I have hurt, with those whom I have wronged. And my heart is wounded once again by the reminder of those who have hurt me. But today I see what it costs to erase all of that sin and remove all of that shame and relieve me of all of my guilt. So I confess my sins, Lord Jesus, and I ask you to forgive me by your precious blood. I confess you now as my own Lord and Savior. And I'm now a Christian because I trust you and you alone to save me. Help, help me become more like you, Jesus, so that I can live for you in this life and love and serve you into eternity. Thank you for shedding your blood and saving me. I thank you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you prayed like that and you got saved, I would like you to let us know. And we're going to have the praise team lead us in a, in a reprise of that first song on Psalm 150. And we get done and we get to the end of it. Instead of going out, will you just come forward and I'll be here at the front. Some of our other pastors will be here at the front. I'd like to just take a few extra minutes, if I could, and talk to you about the next steps of being a new believer. And so if our altar and invitation team will also come up at that time, that will help out. And also I invite you, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, but you, you've not yet gone all in by signaling that and proclaiming that faith in Christ through baptism, I would also like you to come forward at that time and let us know that you want to be on the list the next time we do baptisms, which will be the Sunday right after All Church Retreat. And that's going to be such a great time. You know, I spent 25 years at a church where the good thing was I had the opportunity to be able to uh, just build a ministry the way I felt like the Lord would have us build it. And came here to Harvest eight years ago. All Church Retreat will be the ninth anniversary of me being here at Harvest. So another good reason for you to register and come with us to All Church Retreat. So, uh, so nine years here, and in that time, you know, I've seen people kind of, some people kind of cycle through. Uh, and they cycle through because, you know, it's Blue Springs. I don't know in their mind, maybe they think some type of, con- this, uh, you know, some type of suburban type of thing. And they come in and, you know, we've, got, we've not got a monochrome praise team and we've not got a monochrome deacons or, or leadership and it's not a monochrome congregation and you know for some people it's just not you know that's okay it's just not what they were looking for and uh, and that's fine but you know what I praise the Lord and the Lord's table every time we observe it reminds me I wasn't doing it for them anyway I'm not doing this ministry for them anyway I'm doing it for the Lord and I praise the Lord what he's given us 
And I hope that you'll take part and take, take more of a part, uh, even than you have in the past, because this is going to be, this is, this is going to be a summer, which is our recovery summer. Okay. It's our recovery summer. And so I want to ask you to also come forward. If you want to be a member of our church family by transfer of your church letter from another church like faith or your statement of faith or whatever. And I also want to make sure that you know that this altar is open and you can come up here and pray when we get done. You can come up, you know, kneel down at the seats on the front or whatever and pray.